welcome to JudgeCast from Gridscape Games in Sacramento, California. This is Sean Catanese. And Ricky Hayashi. And Jose Boveda. So the three of us here, all three judges of JudgeCast for the time being. Yes, this is the Internet's number one Magic the Gathering judge-related podcast. I, I second that. <laughs> I believe we're the only one. Number so one. By default. Number one. Well, that makes us by default the worst one. Oh, come no. on. Don't go. Yeah, we're, we're, also the, we're also the most mediocre and the most entertaining and, and also the most hated. That's well, like, let's keep it positive. That's okay. like high school. <laughs> you know, the, the most likely to polls. Yeah. Did you get voted anything, Jose? <laughs> funny, funny you should ask. Uh, I actually lost the superlatives uh, for Mr. Talented to a girl. <laughs> Wait, Mr. They didn't. This is not a joke. It sounds like a joke, but it's it's did actually they, true. Did they have a Mr. and a Miss? They had a Mr. and Mrs. Everything, except for most talented was one by two girls. <laughs> well, that's that's awesome for them. I think that's enough banter now. I, I'm not hating. Okay. Well, we did get an email from a couple of listeners saying that they love the banter. Don't cut it. <laughs> yeah, have you heard any of the other podcasts at all? Any of them? <laughs> yes, B movies and the rest of it. But still, exactly. Banter cast. Okay. <laughs> well, we did get actually some emails from people, and we wanted to talk about them. Uh, we can actually divide them up into some groups, though. Uh, we have some people that want to ask questions about how to run tournaments and how tournaments should be run and what should have happened in certain tournament-related scenarios. And then we have other questions about rules specifically, and we can talk about those. And then we also have um, a couple of contest entries, and we wanted to talk a little bit about awarding somebody there a uh, draft set of Shards Block. That, that reminds me. Did you actually send out the draft sets? No, not yet. I do you, will... do you, you can give them to me. I'll send them out. Well, I have them already packaged and ready to go. I just need to. I, I also sold like two hundred dollars worth of cards to uh, Kirk Kingdom, so I'm going to just ship it all out at the same time. And nice. I, have to, I have to go. I have to go to. Yes, the same cards to Kirk Kingdom. A couple. Well, two hundred dollars worth of cards. Yeah, basically getting rid of most of my painlands just because I was like painlands. I'm never going to use these things. <laughs> like maybe I'll put one in an EDH deck, but really, am I ever going to use these? No. You mean painlands, not shocklands? I don't use oh, yes. painlands anymore. You, I I love them. Even in a two-color deck, I don't use pain lines. No, it's it's true. I'd rather just go basics and basics and evolving wilds and terramorphic expanse. Yeah, but you know, I got to tell you, I actually have put sky shroud forest in decks. What what is that? That's the that's the tap pain land that comes in from Tempest. Yeah, Yeah. from Tempest. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty terrible. That's desperate. (laughs) It's it's not desperate. It's probably like in theme or something. They should make a a dual land that has every drawback. So pain comes into play tapped, shocked, switches uh, the blockers of two creatures right. and does two damage to you and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the one where if you use it, it doesn't tap until the next. Yeah, turn. yeah. Oh, which are after next? What yeah. did they call that one? Uh, um, it was like, the the it was the. Well, see, because the depletion counter lands. Yeah, I, I have. Wanted to put it in a deck because of Chise Heart Devotions, which turns it just into a dual land. Why, why do you look at me with this blank face? It's like, 
Chase a heart of oceans. Yeah, the one that on your upkeep remove a, four, a counter four, from a permanent. You can from a permanent. Right, but if right. you have more than one in the deck, then it's no. You don't want more than one in the deck. I'm talking about like EDH, like a single. Okay, okay. Well, I was like the, the the cards I sold were like two tournament pack boxes of, of cards. Oh, okay. and there are a bunch of it's just crap, but some of it's you know decent. Anyway, just selling those, and I'll ship out the draft sets when I get those. Okay, so. so that you, you um, heard it there. That's a promise he's yes. making to all of us. Well, and I'll have one more to send out after this, too, oh, when right. we talk about our winner from today. But that's when we get there. So what do you guys want first? The tournament questions? The rules questions? Where tournament questions. Is tournament good. questions? All right. Well, let's see. We get this question um, from Steve. Steve is from... Where, where's Steve from, Ricky? You're going to have to make something up because he doesn't tell me. Ohio. Ohio. Steve from Ohio. Steve from Ohio. Okay, well, I don't have... I was going to say Schenectady, New York. Yeah, people liked the Boston accent last time. I don't have any uh, Ohio Oh, next next reader is from North Dakota. Just please, just say it. I want to hear him. I want to hear him. I'm not going to do a Minnesota accent. Fargo. You're not going to channel Fargo? (sighs) All right. Maybe we'll do this. Okay. Anyway, Steve from Ohio, we'll say... uh, (laughs) <laughs> he has a quick question because he was in his national qualifiers in um, Ohio. In Ohio, for, that's for a pretty big one. Yeah, like over two hundred. So he was at nat- national qualifiers, and in round four or five, he sits down next to his opponent, and he he that's remarks weird. how he sits down across from his opponent. Sorry, oh. okay. Sits that, that was throwing me off. And his <laughs> opponent says, "Wow, we both got really good taste. You're using gold dragon shields, and so am I." And so, you know, we, they roll to see who goes first, and they shuffle up and whatnot, and they draw their opening hands, and he looks at his hand, and it's like, this is a really bad ally deck. Why am this isn't my deck? And <laughs> his opponent draws his hand and says, oh, look at this, a mythic deck. That's not my deck either. And so they didn't call a judge. They just kind of laughed it off and said, oh, okay, well, I guess you know what I'm playing, and yeah, I guess you know what I'm playing too. Okay. And they shuffle him back up, and they, they presented, and the guy correct that way but what steve wants to know is what should they have actually done uh, well first i think that steve should not have sat next to his opponent because if that happens you can switch the decks really easily okay he sat across from him let's start there okay okay he did that what should they have done though if they if they accidentally just drew their opening hands from each other's decks well i i disagree that they have good taste at sleeves i have never liked the gold dragon shields i tried them once uh, they seem to nick a little easier than the other dragon shields. I, 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 agree. I agree. Okay, well, good for them. I, dragon shields are not my preference. I'm an ultra pro guy, so that's... Um, ultra pro has been having a lot of problems lately. Well, I've got... The magic I've, back ones? No, 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 no. I just use the the plain colored matte oh, backs. Okay. I, I don't like the, the pictures on the backs of stuff or anything right. like that. Just plain solid colors. It, it, it throws me off. And, and plus, like, you know, you, you get some people that... I, I, I always look distrustingly at anybody with uh, with uh, pictures and stuff on the back of their sleeves because there's so much going on. He could have put like a little dot somewhere. And you are I, way too cynical. I am. No, I'm not cynical. I'm paranoid. Okay, that's paranoid. It is weird that they've gotten a little lenient. On they the they have. It used to be that you're not supposed to. Well, sure. But I mean, you know, uh, yes. capitalism won over justice. I'm sad. You know, I, I is do it agree. capitalism justice? What are you? A socialist? 
No, I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive, man. <laughs> no, but I am actually I do agree to some extent that like the ones where like the pictures on the backs have like the breasts barely hanging into the shirt. Oh, totally. And they're just falling all over the place and there's a giant snake snaking through the breasts and whatnot. Like I'm no. Family store, like, come on. Right, you know, right. Have some have some taste in your sleeves. You don't you don't like girls on, on cards? What are you, communist? The sleeves, I mean, have have at least like, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I should be as offended by seeing things like, uh, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh backs to sleeves too. I mean, that's it's just not exciting though. No, no, it's, it's not. It's, I, I agree with that. The, you, the naked, no, like naked women on the sleeves. I mean, like this is this is kind of getting into an aside here. But if you had somebody say, um, you know, say say somebody sits across from from a player with those sleeves. That are suggestive, but there's sort of that borderline where they're, they're not showing, say, uh, nipples or anything like that. They're just showing lots of cleavage, and you know, you can be suggestively disgusting. You can, but what if what if you sit across from somebody like that, and, and you're so offended that you just want to call a judge and say, "Look, I I can't be looking at these all game long." You know, I, I do don't you, know. How do you? Is it? Is it? I I I think there's an argument that can be made there for excessively vulgar. Or excessively vulgar. Now, the thing is, it's not language, which was unsporting conduct minor. So I'm not really sure. I think there might be a case you could make for unsporting conduct there. Yeah, well, it kind of depends. I think I agree with you. I think you can make a case for it because, you know, if somebody's wearing like a swastika shirt, you can can go to them if somebody complains. Well, but that's something, that's actual speech that they've got on their stuff. And it's speech with a message that's, well, I I can see that too. Yeah, Yeah, well, I mean, that would be my precedent, right? You know, right. if, if somebody's offended by a swastika or, you know, it could be just a, a, a naked woman, you know, and, and right. But whatever. if it's the sleeves, not the I mean, unsporting conduct minor is a warning. Right. And you're going to continue the game. Well, if it's the sleeves, he's got to resleeve the whole deck. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's disruptive to the tournament. That, that is. But then he only has to do that once. He gets a time extension and life goes on. Okay. I, I I don't think I would want to be that guy. Just don't open yourself up to it. Just don't don't get the uh, the the you know TNA sleeves. Mm-hmm. Just get the matte ones. Why don't we have like pro sleeves, like sleeves with Luis Scott Vargas on them, like <laughs> <laughs> on the beach in San Juan? <laughs> no, I'm thinking more you know a classic magic pose like playing a spell or. Oh, they're holding yeah. some cards up. You well, know, I, think, out. I think you've just found the new Star City Games or Channel Fireball marketing scheme. I think you need to take that to your, your future overlords. And, well, uh, I mean, I wanted to oh. make a playmat with my Fireball picture. Absolutely. Oh, that, that would be awesome. People would have bought that. I mean, I still might. Mm-hmm. Even if you do it as a one-off, I think. <laughs> I, the intimidation of having your own face on a playmat... <laughs> Cannot cannot be overstated. I think. Yeah, I think that that outweighs any number of especially when you look like Ricky. Any number of any top number eight of pins. top eight pins lining yeah. the mat. Not intimidating. <laughs> no, 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 no. Ricky's face on the mat more intimidating. Okay, yeah, well, have you seen that picture? It's, it's yeah. no, it is, it is. Um, so let's get back to. I like the fireball. So let's get back to Steve's question here about you know they accidentally draw their opening hands from each other's decks. What do we do here? Well, uh, neither of them called a judge, so... Well, let's say they should have. What would the infraction be and how would it be remedied? You play on. You, yeah. I, with, I, the same, with the hand of the opponent's stack. stack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 you shuffle up and, and play on, I think. Okay. Um, 
I mean, is there an infraction here? Have they have they committed? They've clearly done something that's not in the rules here. They've looked at each other's cards. I, I guess technically it's a hidden information violation. Well, right? there's a problem with that, and that is that hidden information violation is intentional. They intentionally seek information. Right. Now, they didn't know what they were doing here when they did this. They thought they were drawing from their own decks. Right. So it wouldn't be hidden information violation. I think you might have a case for looking at extra cards, though. Because it's unintentional and they're they're looking at cards that they shouldn't otherwise be seeing, and you can fix it all just by shuffling it up and putting it back. Okay, so you give it, in other words, if it if it looks like a duck and, and walks like a duck, because I don't think I don't think looking at I would go with no infraction on this. Yeah, it's just well, but now you there's there is there is information a, I, yeah. that's changed hands now though. Yeah, granted they both have it for each other, but it's information that they didn't have before that they, they shouldn't have. And they can play differently because of that. Don't f up with your deck placement. Don't so just, use just, dragon sleep. Just a general caution and continue. Well, if I am shuffling my deck in a way that you can see the cards on the bottom of my deck while I'm riffle shuffling, mm-hmm. you gain that information, but you don't get an infraction. So you're making you're making the case that because it's the onus is on each of the players for to track putting track their, their deck, deck in the wrong place or whatever. So okay, because right. they each and let the they're both at fault draws. and okay. no infractions. Fine. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's that's I agree with that. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's an interesting sort of uh, change. I've there. seen this happen several times. Really? Yeah. I, and it's weird because I've never done it. Um, I don't know how this happens. Even, what what even, sequence of events leads up to you, you know, getting your opponent's deck? And I mean, most of the time I've seen it, it it's caught before they draw their their hands because they'll they'll have the same sleeves and you know cut each other's decks and then look down and be like, wait, which was which? Kind of thing. Right. I've had to do that where they call a judge over and they yeah. say, can you sort out who's is who's here? You know, you lean over and say, okay, I'm playing this one. Can you? But I think I I always physically do the same thing, like put the decks in the same place. Right. So I don't run into that problem. Yeah, yeah. It's just force of habit. Okay, well, let's move on to our next question. And this one is from Mo. And Mo doesn't say where he's from. So, Oh, no, he does. He does. Mo is from Atlanta. I was going to go with Mexico. No, he's from Atlanta. Mexico. So, he's from Atlanta. Well, wait, so <laughs> is it just Mo? Mo could be... Mo B. Yes, Mo, Mo B. Like the singer? No. Mo last initial B. He's he's not even a singer. He's he's he yeah. is a musician. He is a musician. He is a DJ and music musical artist. But yes. he's not necessarily. Although he, I have actually seen him live a few times, and he's he does actually sing sort of too. He's so, got, so he's Mo B is the one who did the music video with Christopher Walken, right? Is that no? That's no, Fat that's Fat Boy. Oh. Yeah. So I wanted to say, movies. like, how do we know that Mo is a guy? Um, oh, actually, we do know that Mo is a guy. Oh, or at least we have a very good idea that Mo is a guy because <laughs> Mo plays magic. Because <laughs> no, because of how well there, there's that, but <laughs> it's actually because of how Mo words his question here, um, and it would be unlikely that Mo would be mistaken for a guy in this case. So let's go through mistaken for a guy when he's not in this case. So let's see here. Mo asks. Uh, he has a, just a little story from national qualifiers also. And um, everyone got to play in there. Except, except in right. California. Yeah. Right. So in round eight, it's the last round of the day. He was doing horribly. And um, the only reason he's even playing at this point is because a few of his friends are still in it, competing for top eight oh, and whatnot. Sure. So he sits down against his round eight opponent. 
and begins the game, and he's you know he's just kicking his butt, and he's winning the game no matter what. He's got cruel ultimatum in hand. He's going to be able to cast it the next turn, and his opponent does he actually say that? In the yeah, cruel ultimatum. And his opponent casts Kozilek the Butcher, and draws five cards. Oops. Right. It's a I mean textbook drawing, drawing extra, extra cards, cards because yeah. you're told to draw four, you drew five. Mm-hmm. Okay, textbook drawing extra cards, competitive REL, you're going to get a game loss. Yep. So his opponent's about to get a game loss here. Judge comes over, starts filling out the match slip as okay, you know, here's your here's your game loss for drawing extra cards, and you are, and asks him if his name is Sean or Alfred. Well, his name is Mo. So what had happened is he had sat down across from the wrong opponent. <laughs> and played out his entire first game was about to get a game win off of the uh, opponent was about to get a game loss here. Turns out he's playing the wrong opponent, and the wow. person the person that he was supposed to be playing is falling asleep at the next table over, waiting for him to show up. That what what goes on at these national qualifiers? People well, this people is trading the, decks. This is round eight. Nap it's, time. It's a it's a long long day. So. Dude. So Atlanta, this was uh, this is Casey Hogan territory. He's the L two out in Georgia, and pro- I think uh, C J Schrader may have been floor judging the new L one that we certified. That's right. He goes by weeks ago. Chigi's stake on uh, IRC. Is that right? I, I would just pronounce it C J stake. But okay, yeah, it could be. We'll ask okay. him next time. I see. All right, so. Playing the wrong opponent, though. This is that's what that's what he got into here. This used to be its own infraction. Right. It's one of those that got folded into all the others uh, when it when it got I mean, the, the IPG got kind of streamlined here. Um, and now playing the wrong opponent is tournament error tardiness. Actually, falls under under TE tardiness. Because fundamentally, that's what's going on. Yeah. Right. It's, you're you're tardy for your actual match. Now, the, the awkward thing here is that it's probably past the 10-minute mark where you're going to get a game loss or you're rather your, your match loss for the for not showing up to your match. Your two game losses. Right, yeah. your two, sorry, your two game losses for not showing up to your match. So, you know, he sits across from his opponent. He thinks he's going to win this game. He actually wins it off of an infraction, but it's the next guy over. So there, I'm assuming that if, it, say, this takes more than 10 minutes, you know, what do you do? And you give the guy his match loss, his, his two game losses for showing up and beating the guy across from him, but not the guy he was supposed to beat? I, I don't feel sorry for giving him his match loss at all. That, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Mo. But, uh, you yeah, know. so he should have been. <laughs> basically, if it took more than Col- 10 minutes yeah, for the first game. It's a colossal error. Uh, you know, learn learn from your mistakes. That's that's the thing. If you if you're gonna get this, you know, next time sit down, look at the match slip. It's right there. Or just introduce yourself to your opponent. And when you're checking your match, be friendly. Yeah, it would be social. It's a social game. Wow. You know, definitely. And and we don't want to ridicule Mo for this because I've actually I've seen this mistake happen a number of times. It's not the first time I've ever heard of this. But um, yeah, when that when that happens, um, you know, I've, I've also had it happen where at the at the ten minute mark. So I go over to one of the no-show tables, and I say, so which one are you, player A or player B? And he says, oh, I'm player A. And player B is sitting right there at the 10-minute mark saying, playing the wrong opponent, as I'm there to fill out the match slip and says, I'm player B, you know, move over and sit down. I mean, 
in that case, the, when I did have that happen, um, you know, I, I did actually let you know give him a, a game loss retard right. as the first one here, but then say, okay, play on with this this right. match here, and it was at a you know a regular RAL event. Right. It wasn't too important, and the kid, you know, it's one of those things where you know. It's his first Magic tournament, etc. And I know we're not supposed to downgrade anything for that. We're not really doing that here. It's at the ten minute mark, right? Saying, okay, here I am. That's fine. Well, I mean, really, like without without uh, contradicting the IPG, it pays to be flexible because mm-hmm. you get situations like that. There's, you know, we're we're judges. We we're, we're supposed to arbitrate the gray areas. Yeah, and this is this is one of those barriers. But the, the problem is that that you're supposed to present your deck. You know, if you don't present your deck by that ten minute mark, that's your second game loss. Right. Well, he's saying, you know, I'm at the ten minutes right here, and I'm, you know, he has he hasn't actually presented his deck. So it's you know he hasn't presented his deck by the ten minutes, but he's he's sitting right there and he's so close, and he he you know. Yeah, but you know, you can make the argument that it took you some time to investigate, roughly as long as it takes for him to sit down and present his deck. Well, yeah, I don't want to. I mean, what's your take on this? I could see the head judge, TO, scorekeeper, whoever having a powwow and deciding to let these guys play on, like change the pairings. Oh, the people who actually actually played against each other will be paired up. Even in a competitive REL. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, we're, we're talking about the last tables at the end, right, is usually right. where a no-show is. And someone has not shown up here right. in one of these two matches, period. Right. That's the person who really deserves the match loss, or right. the two game losses. Right. And at that point, then these players are not playing for records. They're just playing to play magic. And so, rather than kind of go, oh, you didn't show up for your match, you get two game losses, go away, and now you don't have an actual opponent yeah. sit here and wait, or probably like two game losses for his opponent, mm-hmm. Um, I could see just saying, "Hey, look, you guys want to keep playing? Like, keep playing, and and let the uh, pairings reflect that." Yeah, I think I think that's that's doable, but you have to have a really flexible, you know, really flexible scorekeeper, someone who knows what they're doing. Because going back and changing a pairing like that, uh, I mean, you, uh, uh, an inept scorekeeper or someone who's not a complete expert can really screw up the tournament trying to do that. Um, so I, I would caution somebody against necessarily doing that without. Uh, Without some forethought. But, yeah, uh, I, I would want to have everyone, all of the, all of the parties involved in this discussion, just to make sure no one yeah. has an objection right. and that it's doable. But the main, the main thing is, we want to try to let people play magic. Yeah, is our goal here. Okay. Well, good. Let's see here, we have. Should we go on to our next? Uh, well, I, I just wanted to. Do an aside talking about Mo and whether Mo is a guy or a girl. I was a there's a blog out there. Uh, oh my goodness. Okay, it's Lauren Ray Orsini. That's the one that was on uh, Man Nation earlier today. We're starting to post. Perhaps I don't know. So it's www. l a u r e n r a e O R S I N I, and it, to, and Sean will put this in the show notes. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just <laughs> I'll, I'll put a link on Facebook to it or something like that. But she it. she had she has a blog talking about magic among other things, I believe, mostly magic. And one of the more recent ones, May twenty third, was 
why don't more women play magic? And Lauren attended GP uh, Washington, D.C., which was just a couple of weeks ago, broke the North American record with 1,931 or two players. Mm -hmm. And Lauren comments that among them, she was only one of maybe 20 or 30 females. Ooh. And goes over a couple of theories on why women don't play magic. Well, you know, in the comments to this blog, like quite a few known magic personalities comment and give their give their uh, opinions. We got well, Lauren Lee, who's another female magic player out of New PQ. York. She recently won a PTQ for Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have, I think, Adrian Sullivan commented. Oh my gosh, I saw Awesome saying that. Yeah. Osip Lubitovich, yeah. several other people who don't give their last names, but they could be known magic personalities. Sure. Well, and that 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 article, I believe, showed up on Starkington Post also. Um, and actually, yeah. And there are, you know, I've I've tried many many, you know, for years now to try and get my wife to play magic. Um, she'll sit down for the game and. You know, play for a little while, but not really. But I mean, we have how many? I mean, I'd say it's a good quarter of the players at our FNMs here. That's pretty good. Can be women, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think we have you know, five or maybe five women that regularly come to our FNMs here. Yeah, I, th I think women. Uh, the reason they don't play magic, it, it really may have to do with the competitive nature of the sport. Well, and that's you know you see a lot more around that the kitchen table. That was one of table. the comments in the yeah, blog. Yeah, because I think I, I don't mm -hmm. think I don't think women have a problem playing magic when it's you know a social thing, and and I think you know not magic players by and large being not very social folks. Mm -hmm. um, I think that may play into it. Well, but among judges, how many how many female judges are there in comparison to the, the population of judges? More, <laughs> you, you, proportionally so, speaking, compared to the magic playing population, yeah, I'd you say think there's, there's more. There's more, a higher percentage. See, and that's that's kind of converse to that because I mean, judges get immersed in competitive play. I'd say more often. Now, granted, but we're, we're not, not competing. Yeah, but we're not. That's yeah. true. That's true. I'm not. I'm not competing with Ricky in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Um, I compete. I know you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have. Another question here on how to run tournaments and how tournaments happen. Um, this one's from Johnny. Um, he says he's from New Zealand, which is a long ways away. Um, first off, he actually thanks us again for the banter. He's one of those banter fans. So I think um, the only one that's not a banter fan is uh, <clears throat> me. <clears throat> yeah. What? No. You? No. 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 Did you secretly send that email? I did not secretly send the email. If we start getting I hate banter emails from John, I'm tired of talking about this. How can I get them to stop talking? If that was the case, I would have totally deleted all these other emails that are all defending all the banter. But Or you saw that I had already read them. Damage is done. Ricky knows. So Johnny wants to know about setting up tournaments. Where he lives... It takes forever for them for him to get to a good tournament site. He'd have to wake up really, really early, and he's out drinking on Friday nights. He wants to play on Saturdays and Saturday tournaments. He just can't get to him in time. Okay. 
So he wants to know where does he go um, if he wants to have somebody, you know, become a tournament organizer local to him and wants to get things going. Where does he go? How does he do that? Whew. Well, uh, you want the official answer or the real answer? Well, give me the real answer first, I, because I, I, I because you know I did this recently. Okay. Well, tell me tell me about it. Well, um, you know, since becoming a judge, one of the the key things that I wanted to do is run a bunch of casual games. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's F and M, and that's you know it's something expected. There's game days; these are all casual esque games. So I'm talking about stuff that's really like you know kind of off the wall, like you know more EDH stuff, for instance. Like not even sanctionable. Stuff. Not not even sanctionable. There's a whole section where you can run casual, non-sanctioned stuff. Uh-huh. in the uh, Wizards event reporter there. Uh-huh. And I plan to exercise that to its fullest extent. So that's why we had the crap rare draft, right? That, that is why it, we had the reject rare draft. That was, right. that was epic. That was, uh, you know, people bring in 45 rares, equal color distribution, and mm-hmm. try to keep it as close to Highlander as possible. Some people, you know, I don't want people overloading on moon laces, you know. Right. Even if they keep the colors fair, they may have, you know, you know eight Y cards, eight green right. cards. Right, eight pure lace, eight. chaos lace, and moon lace. Yeah. It's not, not a good That's path. not in the spirit of it. You know, that doesn't usually happen, but some people, you know, really hate certain cards. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of false dons that I can't get rid of. Yeah. That sort of thing. So, you know, I wanted to organize stuff you like that. You know what card I hate? Planar guide. <laughs> that stupid white creature. Uh, oh, hey, hey, Sean. Yeah, that's um, that's I, my favorite card. One of them. Um, I've got like 140 of them. You actually got a bunch of foil ones for me too. I really appreciate that. So thank you for buying me your most hated card. <laughs> I actually tried to play with it once. Don't do that. That's that. that, that no, it was no, a cleric deck. No good can come of that. that unless that, unless you can force your opponent to play Phage the Untouchable. Then it's an awesome card. I, I love I love Planar Guide. I used to use it in a uh, uh, enters the battlefield style, like a one eight seven five color deck that I had. Mm-hmm. That guy was a champ. He's awesome. I, I love him, but I, I currently um, have him in a Rasputin Dreamweaver EDH. I'm just waiting for the day that he hits three hundred dollars in legacy tournaments and then I'll be able to really, you know, retire. So but you were talking about the crap rare draft. Right, right. Re- reject rares. You know, I didn't see any planar guides in there. No, I wouldn't have allowed it. <laughs> you, you would have drafted all of them. So, okay, so I wanted to run, say, we'll use that as the story example. I want to run a reject rare draft. So, uh, you know, I, I'm a judge, but I want to, you know, get some, some stuff that I can give to the players as well. So I try to become a tournament organizer. Now, right. um, well, now, when, you're, when you become a judge, you automatically become a core-level Wizards Play Network organizer. Right. But you cannot do anything until you get a place to do it at. Right. You have to be assigned to a, to a, yeah. to a location. Yeah. That's like, you know, it's like being a lame duck. You know, you, you, you really, you just sit there. Mm-hmm. Um, so over here, we have a WPN representative, uh, Charles Hickey. There's a website that uh, Sean will put in the show notes where you can go <laughs> and look up your yeah, absolutely. WPN representative. Absolutely. And this is the guy that you need to hassle to no end. I don't know if it's the case in other states, but I have hassled this guy. Well, no, Charles is not just for California, though. He's for like four or five other states. Right, like New Hampshire. Right, but the thing is... <laughs> <laughs> okay, like I'm not, I'm not faulting him for being busy in uh-huh. California. I understand the man is busy. Right. 
Well, the thing is, like, I have had really great experiences with Charles. He has really worked hard to get me the product that I need when I need it. Um, if I've had a sanctioning problem or if Wizards of Net Reporter has totally, like, barfed on a match or barfed on an entire – like, Wizards of Net Reporter hates two-headed giant. Right. But Charles Hickey – It's not alone. Charles Hickey has really been helpful in making sure that you know what we can salvage from the two HG tournaments we run actually gets reported and actually affects people's rating like they want it to. <laughs> <laughs> People actually. Hey, yes, at, my two-headed giant raider. At, at one point, I was the uh, like number three two-headed giant limited player in in, in the world. Yeah, no, in the region. That's my my own yeah. little you know. Yeah, but no, he's been really helpful. But you're right in that it, sometimes it takes a while. Yeah, I mean, he, I'm sure he's been helpful to you. And then he goes on vacation. And that's when I want to call him, Sean. That's when I want to call him. That's when I need stuff taken care of. Okay, and tell me more about your needs, Jose. <laughs> no, but I, you know, not, not, not calling the guy out or anything. I'm saying that WPN organizers, they, there's a number there, and that's your only guy. That can set you up. You get well, that's that's part of it. Now, once you're established as an organizer, though, you can add venues, and and there's actually a process you can go through online that is a much simpler process than trying to call him and harangue him. Now, I just recently did this with a store that just opened up in Elk Grove, which is about 20 miles south of us here. Um, when this new store opened up, I wanted to help them out and help them organize things there. Um, and I have like four stores that I actually organize things for. There's Great Escape here. Uh, there's Big Brother Comics in downtown. There's a, a few others. How much protection money do you get from each of these stores? I get no <laughs> compensation whatsoever from any one of these stores aside from the actual stuff. Do you, do you want me to go I'm, down and like take a baseball bat and then you show up like 20 minutes later and, hey, I can protect you from these crazy Japanese gang members? Uh that would be ex- no. That's that's quite all. No, they, okay. they like me just fine as it is. Um, but they um, Jose, do you want to run a racket with me? <sighs> Hell yeah! <laughs> okay, I'll just cut this part out. <laughs> um, can't can't call it the yakuza. The the rikuza. <laughs> the rikuza. Okay, you know what? I'm not gonna cut you out. You need protection from the rikuza, man. Okay, this is our new. You have not seen what that man can do. I know what this episode should be titled now. <laughs> Wrath of the rikuza. So, um, but but really, when I got this set up with this new store that I was trying to get started at. Um, you know, it was very simple. You go online, you say, hey, I need to run events at this store. Here's their contact information, their phone number, their email, etc. They take, I mean, they did take eight business days to get it done. But they told me up front in the email back, they'd say, you know, this is going to take, you know, it'll take us a week to get it done, but we, we'll have it for you. And here's your, here's the information. Um, we'll have it added. They sent me an email when it was added. And then that day I could go into the sanctioning stuff. On Wizards Play, on the on the DCI Personal Information Center, sanctioned events there, um, and the tournament that we ran on the twenty second there was through that whole process. It was something that you know it's not necessarily there is some paperwork to go through, some red tape, but once you're there, once you're actually on a store's list of organizers, it's really straightforward. Right now, it sounds like though that what Johnny's talking about here is you know he has he, no store. He has no store. So there are other ways to do this too, and that is just as a gateway organizer. There, he just says goes to the website and says, "I want to add a venue. This is the venue, and this is this is its hours. You know, this is how it's going to be run." You add the venue there, 
And you know, it doesn't have to be a store. It can be a library. It can be as long as it's a public place. You can run you public, a pub perhaps. Well, right. Uh, in in the UK, they run their F and M's out of pubs, um, and oh, God don't, and don't necessarily run them on the <laughs> Fridays either. You know, sometimes they're they're run on Wednesdays or Thursdays. I think there. Um, which is awkward because it's still called Friday Night Magic. They, they call it, yeah, they, they no longer call it Friday Night Magic. It's called Happy Friday, <laughs> which can be any day of the week. Right. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a Friday Night Magic. <laughs> so it's a, it's a Friday sometime. So, Johnny, if you, if you want to become an organizer, um, it's actually wizards.com slash WPN. That's the, the website. Of course, we'll include it in the show notes um, and up on Facebook. But Wizards Play Network is where you'll start. Um, start off as a gateway organizer. And that way you can sanction events, I think up to 8K, mm-hmm. 8K events there, um, regular rules enforcement level stuff. Um, and then also what that will enable you to do is get some promos uh, because the gateway kits for each of the sets that come out um, are, you know, right now I think it's Pathways of Ulamog and Curse of Wizardry are the yes. two pro- promos. And Curse of Wizardry. <laughs> no, I, I really got a problem with that. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like the most useless well, uh, I mean, go back to Conflux, and they picked Path to Exile, and that was amazing. Yeah. yeah, those were fantastic. But and even and and I'm am I'm a fan of Pathraiser Vulamog. Uh-huh. I like that guy. I play him in limited. I've you know, got him in my ADH deck, sure. Yeah. But uh, Curse of Wizardry, come on. Yeah, yeah. Like, even yeah. M10 had mind control, which sees occasional sideboard, and it had an awesome big ride and rise from the grave. Yep. Yeah, which doesn't see as much play as it should. I yeah, but so so the creatures are so popular ish card. Like, yeah, Curse of Wizardry is it's a no, so no, niche. Yeah, it's unknown. I have not seen one person play that card, myself included. I and I played Bane Wasp Affliction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we're going to see anybody play that anytime soon. But that that's how the um, so that's that's how you can get these promos. And when they send you the gateway kit, it's going to be. You know, it's like 24 of the promo of each or 48 or size, some large number. So you can give these out as just, hey, thanks for showing up to the tournament, give them out to top eight or whatever. Um, it's just give stuff. them out is the. Oh, yeah, you absolutely give them out. Um, that's you're, you're referring. To Why are you guys. looking at me like that? <laughs> you're referring to the guys in Alabama that got sued. By yes. Yes. Yeah. That, that's yeah. you know, there, there's some shady stuff you can you can do with that and just don't. Yeah, just, just don't I, do it. I may have a pile of it's, vampire night hawks sitting on my <laughs> my desk at home. Yeah, but you which was Rikuza. which was <laughs> another good one, right? Yeah, that, that was another awesome one. Yeah. Well, so anyway, Curse of to close the loop on the Alabama thing, just so people don't say Alabama or something, and then we let that go. Uh, Wizards did recently uh, file a lawsuit against a bunch of tournament organizers in Alabama uh, who were just basically making up a bunch of bogus events to get promos and then sell them on eBay. Yeah, At least that's, that's that's the story on MTG Salvation. Well, that's okay, good. At least I'm not making up tournaments. I'm just not having <laughs> tournaments. <laughs> My cards are just sitting there. Right. No, but um, I, I expect more people to either write in or, or basically ask us questions about how to become this. We should we should really just put like a a, a step by step because well, that's actually wizards should have a step yeah by no step. no because that that's what I was gonna say wizards should have a step by step but it's not there yeah it's not they it's, just give you like oh learn more you click on learn more and it says hey you can become a gateway organizer right and it's yeah how it, exactly so well so. and the FAQs are are I, I think you you give the FAQs a little bit short stretch there I mean the FAQs no the that's that's where I found out sure but you know. It, Count how many clicks 
it took for that? This is the question. And you know, this is, this is my business. Uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I did web design for a long, for a long time. Um, this is why people go to that WPN. That's the question they want answered. How do I become a TO? Okay, well, see, the thing is, it's actually, it's two clicks for me. Because then I, you know, it's two clicks. You go to wizards.com slash WPN, mm-hmm. and then it says, click here to join. Okay. And from there, it's fill out this form at this link. You click the link, and it gives you the form. You start filling it out. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that that's where we get to the point where no one can figure out what to do next. It says enter your birth date, continue. Yeah, yes, know. okay, you fill out the form. And then after you yeah, fill out the yeah. form, you're a gateway organizer with no place to run anything. So how do you get a place to run stuff? Okay. You, you went through and explained it, but I had a hellacious time. Okay. I had and a hellacious time. a lot of people time. don't want to enter information before finding out what the f- they're getting into. Yeah. Okay. Well, don't you trust wizards with all your personal information? I mean, come on. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're paranoid, Jose. So. <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> okay. Well... I hope we've answered Johnny's question, and hopefully, you know, if, if you have more questions about becoming a tournament organizer, we can hopefully help you out. And and if you want that uh, checklist, the step one, step two, step three, and all the hidden steps afterwards, write to judgecast at gmail.com. And, and Jose, I will just, will, Jose will answer you. No, Jose, <laughs> Jose will forward it to Sean, and Sean will answer you, because he has had success. See, I'm the one that has failed. Yeah, I failed, too. But we can learn from your failure. Okay. <laughs> Here okay. are the twenty things not to do. Yeah, this is the, that that doesn't answer the question. All right. So we've talked about a lot of the tournament questions. Um, we have one sort of special subject in tournaments that we want to get to, but I want to take care of our rules questions first because those are real quick. Sure. I think I think they're also kind of fun. Um, and, and the topic we have to, this last tournament related topic we have to get to is a little heavier. So. Let's go into the rules questions. They're pretty quick. And Heavy. You keep saying that word. There's something <laughs> wrong with the gravitational constant in the future. <sighs> yes. <laughs> it weighs on me greatly. More so now than it did before you mentioned that sentence. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't it. That was paraphrasing. <sighs> that was okay. pretty good. Yeah. Either that or my memory is really bad. <sighs> okay. On with the questions. On with the questions. Real time. You know, I'm, I'm going to get rid of the, the sound effect because you do that so well. <laughs> I, okay, I'm going to go on with a, with a rules question here. Um, and this is from either Dennis or Denise. I can't really – I don't know the inflection. And it's, it's D-E-N-I-S. So if it's two, at, two N's, then it's Dennis. If it's an E at the end, it's Denise. Or it could be like the French version. Or it could but be Dennis. Or Dennis. Let's just say Den- – this person has a question. If my opponent has a Glen Alendra Archmage and a Vendillion click and play with one untapped island and a Scion of Una on the stack, they should be thrown off a balcony. Well, that's his, this person's Well, they didn't opponent. say Bitter Blossom yet, so they're right. fine. That's true. Mono Blue Fairies, okay. Okay, this person's opponent. Now, the, the person writing in says, I have two untapped planes and two path, of ex- path to exile in hand. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So can I respond to the Scion and target the Archmage, let it resolve, and get priority back, but then another path on the stack for 
Vendillion. Thanks. P.S. Great work. Love your show. So they want to get rid of both of the creatures with the Scion of Una on this deck, and they want to do that before the Scion resolves, because then otherwise the Vendillion click and the Archmage will get Shroud. Right. Oh. Yeah. I was like, why do you have to do it in response? Yeah. That's Look, it's been like two years. Right? But they can't put both of the paths on the stack at the same time because then their opponent will just sacrifice the Archmage and counter the one that's targeting the Dillion click. Mm-hmm. Oh. So they want to they do both of them. Seacat well, is so much better at magic than us. <laughs> <laughs> He's like got it all strategized out. This is why you got to do it this way. Well, all right, I mean, well then tell us what the right play is. This is not so much a rules question. No, it, it is. It is. It's a strategy. Well, it is kind of strategic, but they want to know, do the rules allow them to do something with, say something's on the stack. You know, a spell is on the stack. They want to play a spell, have that spell resolve, and then play another spell and have that spell resolve before the thing on the stack, Right. when they started this whole thing, resolves. Right. Well, it, and it's a rules question insofar as... You know, knowing if they can respond to things on the stack. But if somebody right. were to ask this question at a tournament, I oh, wouldn't no, tell them. Gonna, gonna I wouldn't tell them when they play their 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 path to exiles. Yeah, because then I'd be like, Judge, how do I do this correctly? Yeah. <laughs> Judge, how do I how do I how do I play my infinite combo? Right. But so this actually, how do I win the game once I have these elves in play, Judge? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but this does work. Yes, um, it does work to be able to say, okay, path the archmage. And now the Archmage is either going to either the Archmage is going to be exiled, or they're going to try to counter the path to exile. Yeah, most, most likely sack right. the Glenalandra and right. and try to counter it, and then so that that will go on the stack, and on top of that will be the persist. Sure, sure. Now they paid the cost though for paying the cost for Glenalandra Archmage's activated ability is paying the blue and sacrificing the Archmage. Right. The Archmage goes to the graveyard. The persist ability of it triggers. And we'll put it back into play when it resolves. Right. So this player here needs to know that and needs to understand, well, if I'm going to try to path the Archmage first in order to get to the Vendillion click, in order to kind of break down that shield that's keeping right. the Vendillion click safe, they're going to need to respond to the persist trigger. Because if they, if they simply respond to, okay, you're paying the cost to sacrifice this, you're going to run into a communication issue, I think. Right. Where somebody's going to say, well, don't I get my, my thing back? You know, We haven't talked about this persist trigger here, and you don't have priority yet until the persist trigger's on the stack. Right. So we need to, you know, you run into a, and what you're trying to do here is pretty sneaky, because the opponent's figuring, okay, you've got one path, and you're going to try to screw me up somehow. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, more, more importantly, he said in the, uh, they said in the email that there's only one island, so it really doesn't matter. Oh, I guess so. Okay, you're right. So, but if there are two islands, but uh, for matter. for the sake of argument, if there if there are two islands, everything on the stack, uh, nothing on the stack resolves until both players say it's okay. They both pass priority without adding something. To without the stack. adding something to the stack. So when uh, that's not true, it's without taking an action. That's okay. That's right. That's that's because you can take actions that don't go on the stack. Right. Mana abilities morph. morph. Right. So, it, because you can only do those things when you have priority, right? So, question here is: Why do players have trouble with this concept of the stack? Because th- this is kind of—I don't know if this player is old school or not—but the, 
This harkens oh, back to the, the batch. Oh, once man. you start resolving a stack, it has to all unravel before you can add more things. Right. Well, I think that's part of the problem with. But I don't think changes look, from these sixth players edition, tenth edition. Remember or knew about the this, the batch. Yeah. So there's something fundamentally about the game or the rules that makes them think that they can't do that. That's that's a good point, and honestly, I think it has to do with how people play. Have you ever watched a game? For the nobody, most part, it's nobody, just yeah, one no. action, one action, one action. Right. So people are used to playing an action and shortcutting straight to resolution. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, but I think also that we're not really, when you learn the game, I don't know that people teach the new players about this sort of invisible zone called the stack. Because the stack is a zone just like the battlefield. It's a zone just like the graveyard or your library or your hand. Um, it's a very it's a it's a tangible place that things go, but the things that go there are it's conceptual, yeah. right? They're they're it's kind of like Wonderland. They're things that don't exist in a card form, like the spell as it's the going you know, from from your hand. Snark. Those those do not use the stack. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, a spell that you play that's what it makes, or rather, a, a spell that you cast goes on the stack. It sits there. That that card sits there in the stack on on you know in that zone. But then when you use an ability, the ability doesn't have a corporeal form. It doesn't have a real uh, a physical format that says this is that thing and it sits there in the stack. And that's one of the great lessons of Magic Online. Is yeah, that you see the it's physical a, representation of the abilities on the stack. Yeah. yeah, they kind of look like cards. They're shaped like cards, but they have a fuzzy border. Right. to distinguish them from cards. Right. And so that's so the concept of the stack can be a vague one, you know, because you don't have those actual physical representations when you're playing paper magic. Um, you know, in a really complicated, you know, EDH game or something, you know, we have used little pieces of paper saying, okay, this is my ability for this card, you know, when we have two time sifters out or something like that. We we will use awkward, you know, when we have complicated interactions like that, we'll use things to represent the stack. Mm-hmm. Um, but Oftentimes it's it's not, and that's a really hard concept for some people to get. And it's not not and it's not reinforced by play because mm-hmm. you know people just uh, put you know they're, they're, if if they even move it towards the uh, stack like place mm-hmm. like uh, you'll see a lot of people like hold out a card yeah. in front of them and say I'm going to play this and they'll tap their mana and then you know they're, they're kind of holding it in front of them or they'll put it in the red zone. Yeah, you know, and they'll they'll put it there and they'll just leave it there and say, does this resolve? And then when it resolves, they'll move it away from there. Right, but then or they'll point. put it straight in the graveyard. Yeah, yeah, that's that's also bad. But that's that exactly. That's a reinforcement that people get is playing the game and they say, oh well, I'll bolt your guy and they throw it in the yard, mm-hmm. hoping to you know just not get a response. Yeah. So but the point is, you can respond to to what's on the stack with actions. The topmost item on the stack will resolve. It'll do what it says it does after both players pass. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the next one. And then you can respond. Both players can respond to that next one. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a no point where somebody can sneak something by you unless they're the active player and they have to tell you that they retain priority. Right. In other words, the active player can put stuff on the stack as much as he wants uh, I think so. Well, the inactive player can do it too. If you yes. have priority and you want to add multiple things to the stack at once, you can retain priority between those as long as you explicitly retain it. I think it's because we've gotten away from 
thinking about the stack. Like we talk about it, but the best way to think about the stack is to have like a physical stack of things. Yeah. And then you take the top item off of the stack. And then before you take the next one off, you guys go say, hey, are you doing anything? That's how the game of magic works and how priority works. This next question we have uh, is from Daryl. Daryl's from the UK. And he has actually a really fun question. It's something that, it's a card that I've... I'm getting my arms ready to be thrown. No, no, no. It's actually a really fun question because it's a card that I had hoped... I, it's a card that I had hoped people would build around and, and uh-huh. use. It's a mythic from Rise of the Eldrazi. Should we try and guess what it is? Well, you've read oh, the totally. emails, so I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Jose, guess what mythic from Rise of the Eldrazi... Uh, cast through time. No. Damn. Well, that's good. That, that leaves it all for me. Then. Maybe I do remember. Was it the, uh, the Spawn Sire? Not Spawn Sire. He's, he's, he's rare. He's rare. What? He's not yeah, mythic. he's not mythic. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, 20 so, mana, put all your Eldrazi So all of the order. talk about, like, Vengevine shouldn't be mythic? How is this one not mythic? Exactly. Like, it's you got, know why it's not mythic? Because it doesn't return from the graveyard, it doesn't have loyalty abilities, and uh, it doesn't turn your fetch lands into lotuses. Like, when Mark Rosewater likes to do his pre- like previews, kind of little snippets of cards, this was one of the cards, right? He said... A creature with an ability that has 20 in the mana cost. Right. And that's like, oh my god! That, that's like, I think he used that example specifically. Yeah, know? yeah, and his goblin, 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 that example when he was first trying to preview it without telling us what was going on. Yeah, that was one of the things he said. Well, okay, you're both wrong. Um, oh, hold on. Oh, one, more, one more guess. Is it Lighthouse Chronologist? No. Oh, well, I give up. It's Hellcarver Demon. Oh, Hellcarver Demon. Hellcarver Demon. And Daryl... wants someone to build around this card? No, he, he, uh, he is building around it. He just wants to know... No, you it. said, like... Oh, yeah. Doesn't it have an entertaining nickname? I don't know what What's the, the name, name is. You, you guys don't know the nickname of Hellcarver Demon? I don't know the nickname of Hellcarver Demon. I, it, well, Do I want to know? Is this PG-13 right it, it is. No, yeah, okay. it, it is. But if you take a look at the picture, doesn't he look all smooth laying on a pile of bodies there? I... He, I, I've heard him called Rico Suave. Rico Suave. Okay, well, Daryl wants to know if he has Rico Suave and another creature, and they're both attacking. He's got like three or four questions about this, this okay. deck. It's one of those those times when somebody builds a deck and they ask us how it works. Is is the last question, why don't we provide a deck list? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. This isn't that. No, no. He's already built no, the deck. we don't provide deck lists. Yeah, we're not that good. I'll provide deck lists. <laughs> I don't. I don't claim they'll be good. <laughs> In fact, I can pretty much guarantee they'll suck. Okay. Well, Daryl wants to know. He has a Hellcarver Demon and another creature. Doesn't matter what the other creature is. But he attacks with both. Runeclaw Bear. Runeclaw Rune Bear. Bear. Okay. He's got you Hellcarver know that's Demon. A new card. And Runeclaw Bear. One of the fifty percent new ones in M10. <laughs> he attacks with both of them, and he he's saying that okay, I, I think I get it that the Runeclaw Bear, even though I'm going to be sacrificing it when the Hellcarver Demon deals its damage. I'm going to, you know, get to deal my two damage from the Rune Claw Bear also, and that's true. That's true. He's got that Correct. part down. Fantastic. Because the damage, barring first or double strike, damage is dealt simultaneously. Right. So it's actually one event. Yes, it which is. Makes for interesting double Imperial Archangel questions. Exactly, but we're not going there. 
but we are going with when he's forced to sacrifice all his other cards and discard his hand, he has Emrakul in his hand. So he wants to know, do, does he exile the six cards and can he cast those after he shuffles his graveyard in or before he shuffles his graveyard in? Because Emrakul is going to, when he discards it, he's going to say, oh, well, by the way, I'm going to trigger and I'm going to shuffle and all that stuff. Right. So he wants to figure that part out. So does he shuffle and then exile the six cards and then, you know, get to cast them? Or does he have to get the six cards and cast them and then he'll get to shuffle? No, he, he once once he starts resolving Hellcarver Demon, uh, he finishes resolving it and then uh, everything gets uh, shuffled in. Right. And that's because... Now, then, then the reason that is... Is because it's a triggered ability. Right. That Emrakul is a triggered ability because if it, if it was, say, Progenitus in his hand right. instead... Which is a replacement of that. Right. It would not go there at all. Right. It would, Progenitus would get shuffled in, and then he would exile the six creatures. Right. Ooh, so you six, could six get lucky and hit Progenitus again. You could. Yeah, yeah. Hellcarver. You could, off of the Hellcarver. And, and I'm sure Ricky's working on the deck list right now. <laughs> ready to send to this, to this one. don't play Emrakul play Progenitus why have people forgotten about him okay well he's got another question here about Hellcarver Demon okay and that is if he has two Hellcarver Demons that deal damage at the same time what happens amazing things well okay let's walk through the process though so they're both they both have triggered abilities right so they'll both trigger and go on the stack mm-hmm. assuming that neither has first strike and that one doesn't they both right. deal the damage that would be a combo <laughs> I'll give this Hellcarver Demon a first strike yep uh, wait a minute <laughs> Hyena Umbron this Hellcarver Demon ha ha yeah no oh. bad idea um, so you want them to deal damage at the same time and when they do then two triggered abilities go on the stack one for each mm-hmm. so what yeah. happens when the first one resolves you do what it says. Okay. The other Hellcover Demon, by the way, is dead at this point. Right, so it gets sacrificed. Yeah. So you sacrifice the other one, mm-hmm. but its ability is still on the stack, yep. independent from its source. Okay. So you sacrifice that Hellcover. You can't stop Rico Suave. You know? Right, so, okay, well, let's, let's you call You can only hope to contain, contain him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So let's say it's uh, Rico Suave and Paco Suave, the two the two Hellcarver demons. Wow. <laughs> okay, just to keep them separate here. So Rico, as the Hispanic here, scripted. As the Hispanic here, I am not offended. I'm not. Okay, so Rico Suave deals his damage, mm-hmm. and Paco gets sacrificed. Yeah, poor and, Paco. And you get your six cards exiled. Uh huh. And you get to cast any of those because casting them is part of the resolution of yes. the trigger. So you're going to cast them in any order. Mm-hmm. Okay. So put them. You cast them. This seems like a bad idea. And they all go on the stack. Yeah. And at the bottom of that stack is Paco's trigger. Mm-hmm. And you're waiting for that to resolve. So all six of those spells resolve. You know, one of them might be Emrakul, another one might be you know anything that resolves resolves from that. Right. Um, and then you'll maybe end up with cards in your hand from drawing stuff. You might be a cruel tomato in there or something like that. All that happens, and then Hellcarver Demon number two goes to resolve its trigger. Revenge of Paco Suave <laughs> kills your Rico Suave. Well, and right. all of the, the buddies he cast. Right. right. So everything that Rico Suave just did is gone. Yeah. Permanent. permanent. Right. Well, exactly. no, your card, is, your hand is discarded. Yeah, your card. Right. Right. So all the permanents, all the cards in your hand, everything else. Oh wow. All resolved. Yeah, definitely a bad idea. <laughs> now the thing is, like, if you were going to take an extra turn because you cast an Emrakul or something like that, you'll still take that extra turn. Yep. But yeah, all the stuff that happened with that first resolution of that first trigger is gone. Yep. And then you'll, you know, when you you'll go through the resolution of that second trigger, and then anything that triggered 
from that second trigger, like Evercool or anything else, those shuffle effects, all those will resolve also. This That's, guy should have been legendary just to prevent people from doing that. Yeah, well, well it's just not a good idea to do it. Like, what you want to do is swing with the same Hellcover Demon multiple, multiple times. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. looking at you, World of War. Yeah, yeah, you definitely want to yeah, do that sort of thing instead of, yeah. Now he has one more question about Hellcover Demon. He loves this guy. And this one actually, he says it actually happened. He said, oh, okay. last night I was in a situation where I exiled three Emrakuls at the same time with this effect. <laughs> so, I, cool. so I played number one, then number two, then both got sacked because of the legend rule. Mm -hmm. And shuffled. They're not sacked. He says they're sacked. Of course they're not. Um, and then number three stuck around. So did I just give myself three extra turns? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you did. And the other, the other question here is that, you know, they each come into play individually because they're being cast. They are on the stack and they each resolve independently. So once that second one is done resolving, state-based actions get checked and we're going to put those two into the graveyard as a state-based action. Mm -hmm. The third one's going to get in there and stick around. So he should send us a deck list. I want to, I want to see more Hellcarver Demon deck lists. God, only Annihilator 1. <laughs> All right, well... well yeah, too busy spawning. Daryl, send, send us your deck list then. Um, okay. Well, I'm guessing he has four Hellcarver Demons and four Emrakuls. I, I, I guess that's a basis, yeah. I would just play spells, though. See, that's that's what I would do. Nothing that would stick around after another, because I would want to attack with Hellcarver Demon as many times as possible. Yeah, mm -hmm. but he just casts three Emrakuls. I think he wins. Right. Yeah, I think in this yeah. scenario. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless like he has three extra turns and a Hellcover Demon that just dealt six and an Emrakul. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. Which is a good way to get it to attack many times is with Emrakul. I support Emrakul, but you're not really casting. But you're. I think yeah, Hellcover Demon plus spells that give you more combat yeah. steps would be good. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Then we we've, we've dealt with our rules questions. I think that was a, a good one to end the rules mailbag on. Now we have rise. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's all all gone. Okay, get um, those googly eyes, Jose. I'll put it on our on our big mic here. Oh yeah, we didn't we talk about that once, like giving it ears and eyes. Yeah, we could do that, I guess. It, you're looking, looking at your at microphone, <laughs> wondering how we're going to face it. Stop looking at me like that, microphone. That's right. Um, okay, well, okay. So let's go on from our rules mailbag. Um, we have a more troubling topic to talk about, or at least something that is uh, more controversial. Ooh. Are you sure you, we want to talk about this? I mean, we don't how, how does the BP oil spill have anything to do with Magic the Gathering? It doesn't. I'm not talking what, about what, that. What, what sort of a card would the oil spill be? Devastation? Um, it, it would be Blight, Abomination. Sensei's the bunny top? Incorrect. Yeah. Uh, um, isn't that, no, isn't that what they're doing right now? That is... The top kill? Oh, yes. Actually, it's, it's like you played Sensei's Divining top in extended. Because um, then you lose. Top kill. <laughs> Like that turn one kill everyone keeps talking about from San Diego. <laughs> what is this turn one kill everyone's talking about, Ricky? Do you not know about this? Or I don't. Just... No? Oh, my God. Okay. It's, it's uh, 
So Pro Tour San Diego was a standard event with a constructed portion of standard. Right. And a guy comes in there with his – he sits down across from his opponent playing red deck wins. And he plays turn one, mountain, tap it, play goblin guide, attack. And his opponent flips over a damnation. <laughs> that is not a standard legal card. Yeah, that's um, that's a turn one kill from a goblin guide. <laughs> from the rules, yeah, but it's a yeah, it's a, yeah. Also, kind of annoying for the judges, I'm guessing. Well, because you qualified for the pro tour and you're playing. I mean, no, because we check all the deck lists during round one, and then round two we deal with all these people who have made some kind of <laughs> registration error, right? Right. Well, this happens. Judge gets called over. Now you have to dig out this guy's deck list out of the piles that people are looking through because you have to check the rest of his deck to see what else he's got in there that's not legal. Well, what happens if he tells you, oh, no, this is my casual deck. I pulled out the wrong deck. But the one he registered is correct. (sighs) That's exactly what judges do. They sigh. (laughs) They sigh all the time. Players make us sigh. Well, I, I don't laugh so much because, I mean, people go there. They're already you nervous. Just, you, just, you just laughed at this scenario. The, oh, the damnation? Because I'm picturing the goblin guy discovering damnation <laughs> and going, no, wait. <laughs> this isn't it. Or being yeah. like, oh, okay, that's not a land go. <laughs> that's not a land go. <laughs> And then, wait a minute. I thought I saw a mountain. And then on turn four, it's like, okay, he's got damnation. I got to play around that. <laughs> can't, can't roll the devastating uh, summons out there. Right, right. Oh, God. Okay, well, no, this is, this is not, as, not as funny or interesting. It's, it's a tough topic to talk about, though. But we'll make it as funny as possible. Well, actually, I think we can best introduce it with a segment from one of our other podcasters. Um, this is kind of cool we get people emailing us telling us about interesting topics and other podcasts i i I like it a lot well it's that they they ask us for for our opinion on this and this one here came from chris otwell from mtg cast um and he asked us to check up on uh the last few minutes of in contention episode 20 and there they were talking about intentional draws and splits and how that works um, Tell us about this in contention podcast, Sean. Well, um, we'll have everybody listen to it, and we've got their. Yeah, but what kind of podcast is this? In contention, it's a podcast about magic. That's that's about all I know, actually. Uh, from from well, listening to compared it. to a lot of the other podcasts, this is a much more tournament. Oh yeah, they're, they're definitely more competitive. competitive. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the title is in contention. Um, the primary host—I don't know if he's primary—but the, the name host is Sam Stoddard. Right, he's, oh. he's a, a writer. He's a writer for Star City. He, yeah. He's now restarted his writing career for Mana Nation. Yeah, and a couple of really good art- articles from him. Yeah. So, um, and the rest of his career—he had like five or six guys. That's too many. Like, I like the the three. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I think at four to five, it becomes too many voices. Yeah. Especially if they sound the same. Like, I'm like, who was that that just said that? That's true. Yeah. So here we have um, the Incontention guys, again, led by Sam Stoddard. Um, let's pause the recording here, and you'll next voice you hear will probably be Sam's. 
Now, Ed, when when you make the uh, top eight at a PTQ or any, I guess any event, but I'm thinking specifically a PTQ, there's a difference between the final round of Swiss and the first round of the top eight of what you can say about what's happening yes. with prizes, yes. right? <clears throat> yeah, you cannot discuss any kind of prize split until the last round. There's some rumor that they're changing something about that. Which I'll be very interested to see. I don't know if that's just moto or not, but uh, right now, when you get to the final round, you are able to give anything that you received in the tournament as for the for the, the uh, for the win. So, like you could say, I will give you my seal deck and my pin and my box if you can see. But you can't do that at any point prior. To no, it has to be in the finals or. Uh, I, I can't remember if it's in the finals or it's, if it's worded somehow. It, it's got to be in like the last round of the tournament. So if it's a two slaughter, then you can I think you can negotiate in a top four. Not that I've known them to run a two slot PTQ in like the last five or six years at least. But theoretically, if it's a, if it's a two slot PTQ, you can say I will give you, you know, I will give you all my products. And I'll give you my box at least to to concede. Uh, we actually this this came up. We were uh, talking. Well, we, we I talked. I, one of my friends who was uh, he ended up actually drawing into top eight, just complete like bumfuck luck style. Like I was like positive he had drawn himself out, and somehow the tiebreaker math just tiebreaker gods just you know got him there barely because he was uh, X one and drew the last round, and I was just like, I'm pretty sure that it's a clean cut. <laughs> like, and there's all these people who have better tiebreakers than you, but it, it worked out for him. Yeah, the national oh, ball full. I remember, I remember that. Yeah, I think he offered the, the draw. Yeah, he, yeah, he offered the draw, and obviously uh, his opponent was like, "Sure, yeah. of course I'll take the draw. Like I'm guaranteed in. I'm XO one." Um, but oh God, what were they saying? Anyway, yeah, uh, he was asking the judge, "Well, what can I say?" And the judge was like, "Well, he can't do this." And I was like trying to clarify it for him where he could tell his opponent. Basically, do you want to do a prize split and then play the match out? You cannot tell your opponent, do you want to do a prize split? Would you like to concede? <laughs> do you want to do a prize split? I will concede. How about loser gets the packs? I'll concede. Like, those are things that you should not, like, they might be technically legal, but I would not I would not risk it. So you could say, like, if I'm sitting down with Coop, be like, just one play, loser takes all the prizes, and then just play it out? Like yes. That's fine. Right, because you're not influencing the match result. Now, if you say you want to play, let's say, loser takes all the prizes, I'll concede. <laughs> that probably goes above and beyond. So where you just throw the match at that point? What well, if both players really want the prize? <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I, I think, concede. Well, oh my god, how does that work? What if both players are like, I concede. No, I concede. No, In I concede. response. I concede. I concede uh, for a second. <laughs> I, I've seen something similar. I saw an, I saw a match for a... This was before they gave away plane tickets where the PT was in Japan, and that's when Japan PTs had like 200 people because no one could fly, afford to fly to Japan, where they were trying to figure out... Because you know, both they wanted to split the money, but both of them wanted to play in more PTQs so they could win more money. So they're just like, can we... And they asked the judge, like, can we play it out and then the loser gets the slot? <laughs> just like, no, the winner has to get the slot. Like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, but, yeah, I don't know what happens if both players attempt to concede. Probably the first player to actually get out of their mouth is the loser. Now, <laughs> if, 
I I wish I just want to be in the ju- like uh, just uh, just watching the judge call where the two players are arguing over who can see it first. But like, I can see it first. No, I definitely can see it first. I want to see that. <laughs> and the judge is just like, uh, uh, did anybody hear this? No, my you guys God. Have to play. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna play it out. We just can't allow this. All right. Well, uh, I'll keep my seven. Go. I mean, just, at that point, you just no grab land. your opponent's deck and just look at it. But what if you get DQ? You have to. You have to be really sly. Yeah, you, uh, you have to be really sly, and you have to figure out a way to get a match loss without getting DQ. Just start with like <laughs> ten cards in your opening hand. I mean, clearly you're presenting an, an, uh, the wrong number. There are a couple snow covered islands. I mean, that's the trick, right? <clears throat> like you, pre- you know, you present like fifty nine. Like, oh my god. Whoops. Your, whoops. your opponent is not going to call you on it, and because he, he's presented like fifty six. First one to call a deck check on yourself. <laughs> oh, I, I actually had one of the actually someone who listens to the show. He called the judge on himself when he flipped a card over when he was shuffling. It was his own card. I thought it was really cool. I mean, he was. It turns out he's a judge, and, and he's like, "Well, I have to call myself on it because you know." Kind of a real douche if I, you know, if I'm a judge and I don't call myself on penalties, but it's like, and I don't, if my opponent flips on their own cards over, I'm not too concerned about it. I mean, technically it's a warning, but, you know, I could care less. But, you know, he called the judge, got a warning out of it, no big deal. So. <laughs> what are I, I'm, I'm glad well, this isn't a, a video, you know, podcast. Because if you would have seen the look on all our faces, <laughs> I mean, what do you what do you say to? Well, no, in the last, you know, in the top eight, you can say I'll give you my pin, my box, everything for the invite. Here you go. I'll, I'll, I'll everything as long as you concede to me, so I can get the invite. I'll, you'll give you everything I own. Like, where do you start with that? You know, it, easy. I think I think that you just tell people not to do it. Okay. Don't so, don't so, do it. There is so, no time when you can bribe someone for for a a, a win. Right. Oh, there is God. zero just, place for that in Magic. Just yeah. Don't. But there's valid confusion. I I appreciate Chris Otwell bringing this to us and you know saying hey you know can you take a look at this because I want to get a judge's perspective on it. Right. Well, you know, yeah. They, there's there definitely needs to be some clarification here. Um. I don't know, where, where do you start with this, Ricky? I can't conceive of a player who would be bribed by a top eight pin. <laughs> sure. Okay. The guy that is putting him on his mat. That's like, right. He's catching you know, my pin. Like, oh, really? So I, get, so I get two? <laughs> I get two pins and all I got to do is scoop? Sign okay. me up. Right. Well, okay. So. And again, the, the last part. Showing your opponent your own deck through manual dexterity problems, not really a warning. No, no, no. no. He he was saying grab my opponent's deck and start looking at it. No, no, no. The part where he said that uh, uh, the player was a judge and he called the judge on himself because he accidentally flipped a a card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if, no, it's, you if, just it's your, if it's your own deck, it's like, uh, be careful. Like, yeah. Now your opponent knows you're playing this. Uh, shuffle some more. Get back to the game. Okay, well, okay. so there's there's a lot of things we can talk about here. I, I didn't actually you know, bother making a list while we go through here. Let's let's deal with the first one first. That is the the bribery. Because, I mean, that is exactly what they're talking about there. And that's so, exactly what you cannot do. Right. So, and, and I... I think it's. I don't think I could say it any more succinctly than 
the collusion and bribery section of the Magic Tournament rules, the MTR, um, which is section 5.2. And then, and our non-banter person will love me for doing this because I'm just going to read it. Read it. Do it, Sean. Okay. Do it, Seacat. So it's <laughs> the decision to drop, concede, or agree to an intentional draw cannot be made in exchange for or influenced by the offer of any reward or incentive. Making such an offer is prohibited. Unless the player receiving such an offer calls for a judge immediately, both players will be penalized in the same manner. And that manner is? DQ. Disqualification. For, for cheating bribery. Um, don't do it. Okay? Um, so that's, that's clear as day. That is how it's worded. Now, where people get confused is the next paragraph down. Yes. And this is, you know, separate from, from the initial description of don't do this. And saying don't do this, don't collude or, or bribe, that's clear cut. This next part talks about, you know, how you can share prizes. But you cannot, in any circumstances, offer something in exchange for a match outcome. Right. Of a draw or a concession or a decision to drop. None of that. You cannot offer something in exchange for the outcome. Okay? Don't ever do that. Now, when we're talking about sharing prizes, they can share prizes they haven't received yet in the current tournament as they wish. And you can agree to that sharing before or during the match as long as it does not occur in exchange for any game or match result or dropping somebody from the tournament. We talk right. about dropping from the tournament because in the last round of top eight, you can't draw. You right. can't intentionally draw. In order to you know, achieve that result, you actually have to have somebody drop from the tournament and that way you only have one player left in the tournament and there wasn't a match of magic played there, so that match doesn't count toward ratings or at all, and you just have that one person left who just wins because they're the only person left. And that's how it works. Right. But that's that's how dropping in the top eight, you know, then that that finals, that's how that works. Now the exception to this sharing rule here is that if they're in the last round of a single elimination portion of a tournament they can agree to divide the tournament prizes as they wish. If that's the case, one of those players needs to drop. Okay? The last round of single elimination, so the finals in top eight. And that, and that is where the confusion right. comes in. That's, but that, where, that's, that's if, where they that's were talking. if they can agree to that. So this whole thing about, no, I drop first, no, I concede first, they're not agreeing to anything there. Yeah. They're, they're disagreeing. So they need to play. You know? Um... Or we can have a double loss. Or yeah, or they can both lose. So there's an easier way around most of these problems. Sure, let's talk about it. Is you issue your prizes after the Swiss rounds are completed, before the single elimination begins. Mm-hmm. So you say first through ninth gets their boxes. Yep. Say here's your box. Congratulations. And I say ninth because many TOs often give the extra the place because ninth sucks. Yeah, ninth is like the worst place to get. Um, And then after you've given them their prizes, you say, now anyone in the top eight who does not wish to play for the qualification, Mm -hmm. you know, come forward and we can drop you from the tournament. 
mm-hmm. and then people then ninth isn't as bad if someone drops. <laughs> right. Because some people are just there for practice, ratings, packs, you know, yeah. they don't want to go to the pro tour. Well and also or there, can't go. Yeah, right? and, and there was, you know, the example that they used about the PTQ and you know for qualifying for Japan without the plane ticket. You know, he said, well, we want to keep playing in more PTQs, and that's why they didn't want the invite. Because once you win a PTQ, you can't play in future ones for that same Pro Tour. Right. So they were hoping to play in more. So if that's the case, you know, here in Northern California, we have three PTQs, and you don't want to win the first one, and you're in the finals, well, then fine. Then, then, then drop. I mean, drop at the top eight level, though. Drop once you get to top eight, and, you know, work that out. Um, that's the way to do this. Yeah, that way, ideally, the eight players playing in the top eight are all people who are solely interested in qualifying. Now, th- right. there's another part to the MTR here that, that also becomes relevant, and we've heard of this happening. Okay. Just to wrap it up, and sure. that would take away any of the, well, I'll give you this for that. Because th- those prizes are not part of the prize pool in the top eight. Right. They were awarded that after Swiss. They personally take that home. If mm-hmm. they try to use that to negotiate, that's just like using anything else, like pulling out a wallet. Benjamin out of your right. wallet. Yeah. Okay. So that's that. That makes it more clear cut for the bribery cases there. Um, but there's another part to this too, where we've heard, you know, in the say the top eight of a five k, where you know uh, there's five thousand dollars that's being divided up amongst say well let's say say it's not quite five thousand dollars for just the top eight, but let's just say it, that's the case. Um. You've had cases in the past where, for a 5K, everybody in the top eight just agrees to split the cash, right? Yeah. You know? Or they agree to split the cash and the packs. You know, that would be allocated to the top eight there. And that's okay. If everybody in the top eight agrees to do that, they can do that. And that's because the MTR says that uh, players in the single elimination rounds of a tournament offering only cash and or unopened product as prizes – may, with the permission of the tournament organizer, agree to split the prizes evenly. Players may end the tournament at that point or continue to play with only ratings points at stake. Everybody in the tournament that's still there must agree to the arrangement. So if you are in the single elimination round, you're in the top eight, and you say, okay, who wants to split top eight, and only seven hands get raised there, then you play. You play the quarterfinals. And then you go to top four, and that holdout was eliminated, or that person you know, is getting more money now, so they're okay splitting. You know, and okay. what they've been doing at the Star City events recently is Bill Stark, the coverage reporter, kind of MCs the top eight. and says, okay, guys, you know, no one talk about any kind of prize splits or anything like that until I ask you. And he'll, you know, he'll let the judges talk about all the judge stuff, and then he'll say, okay, at this point, the total prize available to you, like top eight, is X dollars. If you divide it evenly, it's this much each. Do you want to do that? And then you'll ask each one individually. And if, as soon as there's a no, you know, that discussion is done for that right. level. And then once you get to the top four, you know, you same, ask, same yeah. question. Right. Now, hopefully he doesn't do it like a show of hands, like, like Sean said. I'd hate to be the one guy not raising his hand and everyone kind of looks at you with a dirty eye. Well, you still have that, that same awkward moment if you're being talked to a minute, you know, by the guy with the microphone saying, and what do you say? No, you just get, you know? you just, you just get a judge to poll the audience or just you know, ask them yay or nay, and then that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because at, at that point, you've stopped, you've stopped the action. You have you know, your, your, uh, the, the floor judges there basically waiting for the top eight. So just get the floor judges to ask everybody individually, privately, mm-hmm. uh, do they want the price split? 
And that way people are free to say, no, you know, I, I think I have a good shot at more prize or, you know, if, if they were to ask me, I'm crazy. I don't, I don't give prize splits to anybody. <laughs> you know, Ricky knows I, that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's it, that's actually not true. If, if one of my friends asked me to split prize, I, I always split. Okay. But if somebody I don't know just comes to me and says, you want to split them? No, I'm fine taking less. Right. And, and but if I beat you, I'll take more. So that, that's how this works out. Now, the guys over at In Contention, you know, they're playing in pictures. They just, they all just the got out of contention. Well, if they did that, and yeah, I know I think a lot of that was said tongue in cheek. So let's yeah, you know, yeah. give them the benefit of the doubt. No, 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 for sure. Yeah, but just it, it, you can't be more clear than that. Just rewind JudgeCast, listen to Sean and his mellifluous voice, read. <laughs> that passage or read the damn thing for yourself or read the damn everybody thing for should yourself. read the if you plan on making top eight of ptq you should read the collusion and bribery section of the mtr that or you, ask the judge yeah ask the judge also but judge. here's a warning don't sit down for your match and then ask about various bribery things i would do it privately with the judge because if i sit down across from an opponent and then say hey judge is it okay if i pull out my wallet and offer my opponent $200 to throw the match and the judge says no. Like, <laughs> it's not just a no at that point. Just asking the judge in front of the opponent. That's that, yeah. That's a because, Yeah. Cause you're, you're, you're setting this up for, yeah. you know, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. Cause the, let's say the judge just says no and moves along and say, Oh, okay. That's too bad. Like wink. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's too bad. Cause oh, here's the money burning a hole in my pocket. Here's yeah. that top eight pin. Yeah. No, we yeah can't do that. So, um, yeah, ask privately, ask often, and, and make sure that you understand what you're getting into when you're preparing to, you know, offer an intentional draw or offer a concession or ask for a concession. You know, that's it's okay to ask for a match outcome. It's okay to ask for that, but you can't offer anything in exchange for it. Tangible or otherwise. Like, right. I'll be your best friend. No, that's, that's not going to work. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't call that a bribe. Yeah, especially with unless you have. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I got zinged. <laughs> unless you, unless you are known to give your best friends lots of money, which I yeah. am not, so I guess you don't want to be my best friend. Yeah, but but seriously, you you do you know? Let's, man, I it's one of those things that you know. Uh, hopefully, the folks over at MTG Cast and the folks over at In Contention. Um, Hear this and, and, and not just them, but hopefully we can inform a lot of people of this because I really don't like getting into that, that it, area with players. When it's we're, it's really valid confusion because there are two contradictory the, the rules pre- pretty much contradict each other on, on, on overview, on first glance. Yeah, because you say you can't offer right. you know, any sort of uh, 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 compensation for a match outcome. But, but you can, you can end, end the tournament by making a split. But you can right. get a, pri- a, a, yeah, a match outcome a, by splitting the prize. Well, it's not getting a match outcome. That's the thing. Is It's not getting, getting a, a tournament outcome. Yeah, it's, it's the end of the tournament. It, it's not even getting an outcome where, you know, you're just end, you can There's end no the tournament this way. Yeah. You can't get a match result this way. Because when you end the tournament that way, the round doesn't get played. You don't all get a draw and like the people with really low ratings get a few points and the people with really high ratings lose a few points. There's nothing being played. There's no matches of magic being played. Ratings don't factor into it. You're just agreeing not to play. Right. But you can see where that confusion comes from. Absolutely. Because when you, when you agree to 
an ID. Mm-hmm. You're you're in the Swiss. You're you're locked. You ID. You're mm-hmm. essentially doing the same thing. You don't play the game of magic. Mm-hmm. This is this is for all practical purposes. I'm not talking about letter of the law. Sure. You're not playing a game of magic. You know, it's, it, that's that's what happens. Right, but you're not tying it to an incentive. That's yeah. that's the key. Is there? You know, if you're incentivizing your opponent um, in any way, then that's bad. When in doubt, don't do it. Just don't. Don't. Right. Stop. And, and this don't. Is, yeah. So, so Chris, hopefully we answered your question there. Um, and you know, when if players no, you can't give them your sealed deck. <laughs> What? Did what, we talk about that? No, no. Tell me, tell me what this, what you're referring to here. Well, this was like in addition to the pin at the beginning. Of yeah, that's thing, that's what they like, said. I'll give you my sealed deck. Oh, like if it was a sealed deck tournament. Yeah. No. <sighs> okay. Well, if you have questions like that, if you don't, if your opponent ever tries to bribe you, well, first call a judge then and there. But if you want us to answer questions. That you have about, you know, does this constitute bribery? Does this is this okay for me to do? We can answer those questions, and we can also answer all your questions about Hellcarver demons, all your questions about Emrakul Aeon's torn, all about any anything that you want to have answered here. That's what we're here for. We did have one banter question come in, and I'll just put this at the end here. Um, one of our listeners wants to know what our favorite EDH generals are. Hmm. Ricky. I think we all uh, know. We, we, we all know Ricky's. Yeah. The experiment. Experiment crash, yes. And you've got yours modified. It's a foil one that was modified and, and turned into experiment crash Xmas. Yes. So it's, it's a Christmas tree with ornaments, written, you know, designed all over it. And you've got, you know, extended art and altered art and all sorts of fun stuff in your deck. That You still have it together, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Jose, what about you? Uh, you know, you know why Experiment Garage is so cool, actually. What's that? Because it does amazing things. Mm-hmm. The game is always like, you know, just one wow moment after the other with Experiment Garage. I mean, you know, you can you can you can go uh, mainline and just get the untap tap uh, mm-hmm. combo going with, uh, you know, what Seaborn have you? Yeah. Or not Seaborn. Or you could turn lands into creatures and copy those abilities. Oh, oh. or you could turn planeswalkers into creatures and copy. Shut up. Okay. Right, but the, <laughs> not that last one. <laughs> that should be called the Ricky rule. You know? <laughs> Actually, blame Gideon. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I, I, I can blame Gideon. But, um, but yeah, the, my problem with EDH, and I don't know if it's just here. I mean, may, maybe people out there have, you know, a different experience in mind. Hopefully they do. But here we have, uh, you know, a lot of EDH players that put these really unfun cards in their deck stuff that doesn't make wow moments stuff that doesn't like impress anybody what are you talking about smokestack is an awesome card the, you know it's not like it's, oh i'll just play braids it's not my general it's okay well you know okay that's that doesn't create a wow. hellcarver demon creates a wow moment sponsire of ulamog wow moment if somebody kicks off 20 mana and does it that doesn't work in edh though because yeah, you can't have cards outside go wide to sheldon Yes. Who okay. is a fan of wine? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because Sheldon does the Embrace the Chaos on Star City Games, and I read read those mm-hmm. with a fervor. I, I admit, and because the games sound so cool, 
And, you know, aside from everybody playing Sensei's Divining Top, which that card should be banned, just period. Mm-hmm. Um, the games sound like there's just all these crazy moments. And I like that. I like people who play those type of decks. But people who put in just these, these cards that don't do anything amazing, they just do things that are vicious or unfun. You know, uh, it's just, why, why do it? You're, you're not playing the game to win. You're playing the game to have fun. EDH well, is a fun format. Now, I have a deck with a lot of unfun cards in it. You do, and I um, hate it. But I personally love it. Um, uh, it's Kozilek the Butcher. Of Butcher boo! Um, and it's got, you know, yes, Candelabra of Thanos is an unfun card. Not, not even, no? not even. I don't, I don't consider okay. that one unfun. See, I, I, I just, I hit somebody with Mirror Universe earlier today. Where he attacked me for 20. amazing. I was at twenty four. He attacked me for twenty three. Put me at one, and on my on and the next turn was mine, and I put him at one and myself at thirty five. So so he didn't see the mirror universe <laughs> there because you can only activate it on your upkeep. Right? No, he didn't. Did see you it. sneak it into play? No, he didn't see it. He he did, he did not understand what it was going right. to do to him. Mirror wow. universe is amazing. <laughs> you, you know, you're calling out this deck. I think like a Rafik deck oh, is okay. a lot less fun than that. When you drop Rafik and go, oh, I'll swing at you for. Well, you're dead, and next, uh-huh. you know that's that's not fun. Well, but that's also, I mean, they're universing somebody because they did they just didn't <laughs> see it. Yeah, or they're not familiar. Everyone, with everyone else is uh, around the table looking at each other, nervous. He's like, <laughs> "Are you sure?" Well, no. And the, the guy next to me had Soren Markov in play or in his hand, and he's like, "Oh man, if you do that, I can kill him with Soren Markov on my turn." You know, and and to somebody, to somebody, <laughs> they were all colluding against you. Well, he, he was using experiment crash, and he was building up a bunch of stuff, and we okay. were like all getting worried about him. And I was like, "Well, okay, I'll, I guess I'll take it. I go to one." Should have should have animated the Mary Universe and then Kraj Universe. <laughs> wow! Also, but that would also mean sacrificing people. the Kraj, which you can replay for. Uh, yeah, you know, but still, mm-hmm. give him persist. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But I, 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 make, I make that plea to uh, all the listeners. If, mm-hmm. if you think a, a card is not fun, those cards that put people to 10, those are not fun. Nobody yeah. has ever been put to 10 and had a good time. Unless no. they're at less than 10. Unless they're at less than 10. Okay, there you go. If, if I see somebody paying life, going to 1, and then using Soren or Magister Sphinx to put themselves at 10, okay, that's allowed. That's, that's kind of cool. But just cacking someone, putting them at ten, and then like swinging for twelve when they're out. Oh, I've been put. At, I've been put to five by Magister Sphinx, but because he played it with a, a Hall of the Bandit Lord, like that was that was actually kind <laughs> of a funny moment because I'm like, I'm here at forty, I'm doing okay. Oh, I'm at five now. Yeah, like that. That was actually that was a big wow moment. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, it, it also depends on the type of play. If you're playing in a large group with a lot of people, um, and the games take forever. Yeah, you don't want to be that person that, you know, everybody else is getting put down by increments of three and five and six and, and you know, slowly and then you're all of a sudden at ten and then you're you're out of the game for the next four hours. Yeah, okay, that's you probably don't want to be a part of that. Right. But I think if, if you're one on one match and you're like, Okay, you know, bring it. Bring the you know, bring the Magister Sphinx and I'll show you what else I've got. Right. Um I think that's a little different. Yeah, but that's that's also just, you know, I think one-on-one games are different from group games. How many people have one-on-one EDHs? I have decks, right, exactly. I have, I have decks that work better on, at one-on-one. Right. Than well, they're made to fight the CAC generals. It's yeah. an Azami deck. I'm just like, I'm just going to counter and take everything you do. That, that's, yeah. A, yeah. Well, you know, which my, is not fun. 
You know, my favorite fun deck of yours, Jose, what's that? Is the one that you have a bad feeling about. <laughs> See, and I play, and I play, that's Norin the Wary, if anybody's wondering. And that, that, that deck plays cards that are not fun, but when I play that deck, it is an experience. I essentially role play Norin the Wary. Right, because everybody is subject to Who these. sounds like Woody Allen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but everybody is subject to these, you know, Modified rules essentially once once you know confusion in the ranks and you know uh, yeah once things like those that are the good happening. cards. What about right. Gen- Genesis Chamber? Everybody gets a buddy, right? <laughs> right. No, there's a lot of uh, yeah. It, it's a lot a lot of fun to play against that deck though. That's oh. that's one of one of my favorites. One one that you haven't played against is my uh, uh, Urtai the Corrupted. That is a mm. Mark Tedden EDH deck. Okay, we'll see. We'll have every to, single card done by Mark Ted. We'll have to experiment with that. Yeah. But okay. uh, to answer the question, my long-winded way of answering. The question, <laughs> what? Yeah, the question was, what's your favorite EDH demo? My favorite is like actually ten minutes ago, Rasputin Dreamweaver. That's that's it. Okay, I like. That I actually, I've seen that deck in action. It's a good one. Sean's gonna cut this whole EDH section out. No, I'm gonna leave it in here at the end just to aggravate the guy that doesn't like the banter. Isn't that you? <laughs> Secretly. <laughs> All right. You know what, guys? He likes banter. I, I just give him a hard time. Well, gentlemen, we have spent... Oh, I thought okay. you were going to pick a contest winner. Oh, Wait, yeah. you didn't even answer the question. What's your favorite EDH show? Oh, it's Kozilek the Butcher of Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, I think we're going to continue the contest again here because I want more stories. More stories, because we are, and also we're at like an hour and a half for this episode, so I don't think we need to, yeah. More stories. Tell us about judges doing cool things. We know they do cool things. If you were at Pro Tour San Juan and judges did cool things, if oh, you were yes. at Grand Prix, Pro Tour San Juan, you spent another good long time listening to us, and we appreciate your time. Signing off. For Judge Cast, this is Sean Kadamese. I keep it fair. And Ricky Hayashi, I keep it fun. And Jose Boveda. And apparently, I keep it real.